Welcome to Come Follow Me Mental Health Insights with Dr. David Morgan. Each week we'll review a concept from the Come Follow Me lesson and talk about applications to improve our mental and emotional health. Hi, welcome to episode 11 of season 2. Uh, this week we are studying Matthew's chapter, Matthew chapters 9 and 10, Mark chapter 5, and Luke chapter 9. And this week I want to focus on two stories that are in Mark chapter 5. One is widely known and the other one is not quite as known. Um, let's talk first about the one that isn't known quite as well. It's about the healing of the daughter of Jairus. And this is found in Mark chapter 5 verses 22 and 23, and then 35 through 42. And I'll read those to you. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly saying, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. And while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why, why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. I love this story for so many reasons, but primarily because it teaches about how faith and hope can be strengthened. So when the father made his original request to the savior, his daughter was still alive. And there was a little bit of delay. Obviously he had to get to the savior and find him. And, and when he had left his house, his daughter was still alive, but then, um, and, and she was, uh, but she was quite ill, but then he gets, uh, the people come and say, before he can get back to the house, they say, oh, your daughter's dead. So don't bother Jesus any longer. And I suppose in our mortal minds, we might think it's easier for the Savior to heal a sick person than to raise one from the dead. I think it's probably all the same to him, but maybe the people didn't think so. So they thought there's no point in coming. She's dead now. She's not just sick. And in the meantime, the, the Savior agrees um, to go with the man, even though he maybe thought the situation was beyond hope. But in verse 36 is where the Savior tells the father to be not afraid only believe. Now, at this point, this man had a choice. He could go with the conventional wisdom and the momentum of the people that were with him and just kind of lose hope and faith, say, my daughter's dead, there's nothing that could be done, and then just leave the Savior, abandon his request. But the Savior's invitation was for that man to push back against that conventional wisdom, push back against the situation, try to have hope when it seemed hope was gone, and try to continue to believe when there was no cause for belief. What I love about this story is that it highlights very well um, the circumstances under which faith and hope tend to grow most effectively. Um, they, they grow best when it seems like they are absent. 
when the, when the times are darkest, that's when it's most difficult to look for the light. But when you look for the light and you find it in those times, then your faith and hope is increased. So with that in mind, it's it makes me wonder if mental health issues and emotional struggles are those then fertile ground where faith and hope can grow. If your life is perfect and you have no emotional distress, then there's little cause to dig deep and to try to increase faith and hope because everything's fine. But if your life is tragic and faith and hope seem absent, then learning how to maintain them and learning how to find them despite the challenges you face is an amazing accomplishment and results in tremendous growth. Uh, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland taught about the Savior's atonement. On that very night, the night of the greatest suffering that has ever taken place in the world or that ever will take place, the Savior said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I submit to you that ye, that, may, that may be one of the Savior's commandments, that is, even in the hearts of otherwise faithful Latter-day Saints, almost universally disobeyed. And yet I wonder whether our resistance to this invitation could be any more grievous to the Lord's merciful heart. I love that. The Savior has invited us to have peace. He's invited us to let our hearts not be troubled and for us not to have fear. And Elder Holland says he thinks that commandment or that invitation is almost universally disobeyed. Now, I know it's very difficult to find hope and faith in the midst of very challenging mental health and emotional problems, but the Savior's invitation is clear. And we know that when he makes an invitation, he always provides a way for us to accomplish it. That does not mean that way is going to be easy, and that does not mean that way is not going to take much effort on our part, but it is possible. The second account I want to review is the one that's a little more widely known. It's about the woman who is healed by touching the hem of Jesus' robe, and it's found in Mark 5 as well, starting in verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I might touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Now there's more interaction that happens after this, and where Jesus, Jesus questions who has touched her. His apostles say, are you kidding? There's a thousand people around you. Everyone's bumping into you. But he knew that um, someone had touched him, and a healing had taken place. So one can argue that the miracle in this story is very simple to see. It's just the woman's physical condition is healed. After no mortal person could help her, she got the help that she needed through the Savior's power. I'm going to propose that that is the second miracle that happened in this situation. The first miracle was that she believed that she could be healed. And I, quite frankly, I think that's even more important. If she hadn't believed that she could be healed, then she wouldn't have even gone to the Lord in the first place. If she had thought there's no point, then she wouldn't have um, gone to find him. I like to think of these situations in real life. Maybe the crowds were very large that she couldn't quite reach him at first. Maybe she reached for his robe and didn't quite grab it the first time and had to try it again. And I can just imagine Satan getting into her head and saying, are you crazy? Skilled doctors haven't even been able to heal you. And you think touching your robe is going to magically cure your disease? There would be so many opportunities for her to turn away, for her to lose faith, yet she really believed that it would happen. And because of her face, because of her faith, she was healed. And like I said, to me, that is the first and perhaps even the more important miracle. When it comes to mental health issues, I work with so many people who feel like their condition is beyond help. And they cite things like chemical imbalances, genetic predispositions, chronic circumstances, 
that they feel kind of um, lock them into their situation. And I'm not saying those things don't exist because they do. But I know that if we don't believe that we can change or if we don't believe we can be healed, then we are done before we start. Having faith and hope in our own potential to eventually be different and to be better is where it all begins. The work we need to do and the miracles the Savior can provide follow our belief. So if you're stuck in a pattern of, I don't think I can change, or I don't think my situation will ever improve, I invite you to change that thinking. If you're new to this podcast, I always end with an invitation to act. And um, I do this every week, so don't get overwhelmed by weekly invitations. Don't try to do all of them. Just pick the ones that you think are going to be best for you. So here's this week's invitation. I want you to try to find a success story, either in scripture or regular life, where someone has been able to achieve change despite great odds. So like I said, this could be something out of the scriptures. It could be a person you know who's achieved good change despite um, difficulty. Then I want you to consider how their attitude or their faith helped them make that change how them believing that they could change facilitated the change process. And then I want you just to write down some thoughts about why a positive, faithful attitude can help you achieve changes that you'd like to make as well. I do have free worksheets that you can download to help you remember and implement this week's and former week's invitations. To find out how to get these, just sign up for my email newsletter in the show notes, and also I invite you to subscribe to access episodes each week. And I'm very excited about this. I've launched a new mental health consultation program where you can view webinars, get insights, and use tools to make progress towards greater mental health. It's called the Keep Moving Forward program. Uh, there's a link in the show notes for more information. And I'm also going to do a short little podcast uh, later this week that explains more about the program. Thanks for listening. And until next time, this is Dr. David Morgan reminding you that change is possible, but change requires action and to always keep moving forward. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more, please visit Dr. Morgan's website at www.drdavidtmorgan.com.